title of this, Mary, Did You Know? Well, I think she knew uh, what the angel said. I think she, she knew she was pregnant. Uh, but there's a lot of things that she wondered about, I'm sure. And in this series, it's, it's about pondering the promise, remaining faithful, trusting in every circumstance, and then receiving the promise of God. And so, like Mary, we're called to ponder. That word will be used a lot in this series, ponder the promise of God until we see it fulfilled. And there's something about remaining faithful in this lesson uh, the idea is that we must always remain prayerful. Whenever you get a promise from the Lord or you get a word from the Lord, you, you need to be prayerful. Even when you are given a promise that is difficult to fathom or to understand, it's how can this be? It's one of those how can this be kind of promises. You must still remain prayerful and faithful and trust God through all of it so you can see it fulfilled. Amen. I want to see the promises of God fulfilled tonight. We will talk about pondering the promise. And if you want to follow along in your Bibles or just on the screen in Luke chapter 2, verses 15 through 19, it says, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass which the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all that they heard, or all they that heard it, wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things in her heart, or kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. So let's pray tonight for this lesson that we can receive what God's got for us. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for many promises, Lord, that you have given us. Lord, there's been many times that you've spoken a word, and I pray tonight that we'll get some understanding, Lord, some revelation, some things that we can practice, Lord, and that we can do so we can see the fulfillment of the promise just like Mary did. Lord, we thank you for it tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. Thankful for the Lord tonight. Thankful for his word. God's so good to us. You can be seated tonight. You you have to think what kind of surprise that Mary had when this angel shows up and tells her that she's going to have a child. Not only, now I know many times we've said, well, I'd love to see an angel. But when we read in scripture, we realize that a lot of people were very fearful when they saw angels. And I promise you, if you are asleep in your bedroom tonight and an angel shows up, you see something else standing in your bedroom, you're not just going to be like, "Woohoo! All right. There's, it may be a scream, <laughs> but uh, it, it won't be for joy. It would probably at first be for fear because how did this uh, because you probably wouldn't even realize it's an angel at first. You'd probably think, how did this person get in my house? But uh, I'm sure that it was fearful for her because the angel, when he shows up, one of the first things he says is, fear not. He's instructing her already, hey, don't be afraid at my presence and don't be afraid of what I'm about 
to say to you. In the message that he gives her, there were numerous things that had a potential of generating fear for Mary. She's going to have a child, and then her child is not just going to be any child. He's going to be the Messiah that would save his people from their sins. I'm sure that she was overwhelmed at this. It's one thing to find out you're going to have a child after you're married, but to find out you're going to have a child before you're married and that it's going to be uh, this child that would save uh, his people from their sins, I'm sure that she had many thoughts running through her mind. But it wasn't about, wow, I've got the Savior. I'm sure she was thinking, what is my family going to think? What are my neighbors and my friends going to think? What is Joseph going to think? And will he put me away? Will he leave me? Because uh, now, will he reject me? Because is he going to think the worst about me because I'm pregnant? Would he believe me when I tell him, I haven't been with anybody. This is from the Lord. How many times have as God spoke to us, or we've told somebody, hey, the reason my life has changed is God, and they look at you kind of cross-eyed like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not so sure that it's the Lord. This had never happened before. And so for Mary, a child, a young lady, to say this, uh, who knows what people were going to think. But she knew that it wasn't true. She wasn't a liar. She wasn't promiscuous. She was innocent. She was blameless. She was guiltless. She was unadulterated. Even the angel said this, you have found favor with God. But how could she have found favor with God if she was anything different than what she knew herself to be? And how could this be favor? How could the favor of God bring upon her such a reproach? How could the favor of God produce such rejection. And so thoughts, these thoughts no doubt flooded her mind. It would be reasonable to conceive that her conception was overwhelming on many fronts. For a young woman like her, it was a heavy load to bear. And at that moment, it was a burden that she would carry all by herself. She understood that even as she said to the angel, be it unto me. She said, let it happen, whatever. I'm, I'm, the, hand, this is the, handmaid, I'm the handmaid of the Lord Be it unto me. And this is how the angel found her, all alone, by herself. And maybe she wondered, is this how it's going to be from now on? Will I be alone? Alone with thousands of thoughts flooding my mind, alone uh, with wondering, uh, was one that stood out. There was one thought, I'm sure, that helped her through the whole thing, and that's this is going to be the Messiah. If this is true, this will be the Savior of the world, and I can't wait to see how this is going to come to pass, and I will get to be a part of it. Whenever we are chosen by the Lord for an important task, it is a tremendous honor. Mary was such a person. She was handpicked by the Lord, highly favored, for the Lord was with her. You know, why Mary? Until we read about Mary, until you're old enough to pick your Bible up or go to Sunday school and hear about Mary, where did Mary come from? She was just a young lady. Was, was she the only young lady at that time that, that this could happen to? Why did God choose Mary? 
She was handpicked by the Lord, highly favored. So what does that mean to be highly favored? What does it entail? What are the qualifications and what are the responsibilities of someone who is highly favored? Such questions are important, especially for those that desire the favor of the Lord on their life. And so we gain insight into obtaining favor by looking at Mary's life. It was interesting that she did not chase after God's favor. It didn't say anywhere in the scripture that Mary was praying and fasting and chasing after the favor of God. She just lived her life the way she was supposed to. She lived in such a way that she became the type of person that God favored. And we see that in the scripture. What about David? David sitting on the backside of the field watching his father's sheep. And while the prophet's uh, passing by all his older brothers, he gets a message, hey, you need to come up to the house because the prophet wants to see you. David's just taking care of the sheep. He loved God. We know that he was the kind of person that God looked after for. He was a man after God's heart. He was that while he was tending sheep. He was that while he was being faithful to his father and his mother and to his family. He was a good son, and he was a man after God's heart. He trusted God. He believed God. He had faith in God because he had killed a bear, killed a lion, and he trusted God to bring him through. And he just lived his life the way that God wanted him to live. And one day God showed up and the prophet poured oil on his head, going to be the king. But what did he do after that? He just went back to tending sheep. He just lived his life. There's a lot of people that desire God's favor, but a lot of people don't understand what it means to have God's favor on their life. Some people think that God's favor will generate favor with people, but that's not always true. Mary was highly favored by God, but she was not highly favored by the people of her day. We don't get a detailed day-by-day account of Mary's life, but when she began to show, I'm sure that she got a lot of stares. There was a lot of whispers. There was a lot of talk about this young lady who was not married yet, yet she was with child. And so I don't know what her family said. It doesn't record it. I don't know what her neighbors said. doesn't record it. The only thing we get is when she went to see Elizabeth, that John that Elizabeth was carrying leapt in the womb when she showed up because she was carrying the Savior. But everybody else, look at that young girl. We don't know uh, what everybody said about her, but you can guarantee that it wasn't all good. You might even argue that God's favor on her life generated a not-so-favorable rating among the people. Something else worth considering is that although many people desire the favor of the Lord, very few obtain it. Why? Why was Mary favored and not some other young lady? What made Mary stand out? What did she do that we might be able to apply to our lives so we could have the favor of God? It appears that Mary had some character traits that appealed to the Lord, some things that made her stand out. She was different than others. There was something that drew God to her. In Isaiah 66 and 2, it says some things that God looks for. He said, For all those things hath my hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord, but to this man will I look, 
even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. So Isaiah is saying God's favor on a person's life is the result of humility, reverence, and obedience to the word of God. And this is what you see in the life of Mary, the favorable traits that Mary possessed. What was it about Mary that caused God to highly favor her? It was her openness, her humility, and her obedience. She was not just open to anything, but she was open to the things of God. If God said something to her that maybe she didn't understand, she was open to it. The angel came bearing a message. It was very difficult for her to comprehend, but Mary listened. But that's not all she did. She engaged in conversation. She questioned uh, the angel. How can this be, seeing I know not a man? How can this be? She struggled to understand, but she did not close herself off to the idea. She remained open to the possibility. We may not understand what God is doing in our life, but we shouldn't shut down on it because we think it can't happen. How can this be? I have never known a man. You might be an angel. You ought to know this. Well, he did know that. But she said, I'm, you know, I'm old enough to understand how it works. There's got to be a man involved if there's going to be a child. And I don't know a man and haven't known a man. So how can this be? But still, she did not close herself off and say, all right, just get out of here. I ain't buying what you're selling. She was open to what God was going to do. Now, the next thing is that Mary was humble. She did not act in any way that suggested that she thought she was something special. She didn't act like she was a step above everybody else. And not even after the angel told her all these things, that she's highly favored, she's going to have this child, she still did not get this attitude like, well, it's about time somebody noticed me. Instead, she said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord. She said, I'm your servant. I'm the servant of the Lord. She still kept herself humble. And now also Mary was obedient. And her obedience can be seen in the words she said in in Luke 1 and 38 where she said, Be it unto me. She didn't understand it, but still she said, Be it unto me. She knew that people would have a difficult time understanding it, but still she said, Be it unto me. And even though she was certain or uncertain what Joseph would say, she still said, be it unto me, Mary was obedient to the Lord. You can't worry about what everybody else is going to think about what God is telling you to do. If you want to obtain the fullness of the promise, then be obedient. God will work it out. God will work it out. So openness, humility, and obedience, those are traits of a person with divine favor. They were the traits that Mary possessed, and this is why she was highly favored of the Lord. But that's not all. She was drawn to deep things of God. She was not a shallow person. A shallow person doesn't sit around and think about things. A shallow person rarely even knows anything is going on, unless it's something they can have right there in the moment, Uh, but not Mary. She was drawn to things beyond her comprehension, to bigger things, to great things, uh, to God things. When the shepherds came and found them, the shepherds began to tell all the things that the angel said. And it said in Luke 2 and 19 that Mary kept all these things and she pondered them in her heart. She didn't just uh, let it pass by, but she, she listened. 
She thought about it. She prayed about it. She wondered about it. She meditated on it. She was wondering, what in the world is this child going to be like? What is this going to do for my life? How is this going to happen? She pondered all the things that she heard. I know pondered is a funny word, but uh, it, it, it means something. It's, it's like you're meditating on what God has said. I want to know what this means. I'm not just going to let this pass by. Have you ever read a scripture and you didn't really get it and you keep going back and you read it or and then all day long you're thinking about it and you're thinking about it or you've heard something in a message and you're not sure exactly, but you just keep pondering it and thinking about it? That's pondering. I, I got to know what... What was God saying? Or if you had a dream or something and you're like, I know that was from God, what did it mean? And so you're praying about it and you're thinking about it and you're fasting about it. You're pondering. You're trying to find out, God, what are you saying to me? And that's what Mary was trying to figure out. I don't understand this. I've got a child in my belly that it's not Joseph's. Something happened. And they said it's going to be the Messiah. And I'm going to call it, they've already named this child. I'm going to call this baby Jesus because he's going to save his people from his sins. What kind of child will he be? How, how, will he be like every other baby when he's born? I don't know. She didn't know. For all she knew, he was going to come out talking. She had no idea. This is a supernatural, never happened before. This child was going to be born the Savior of the world. She don't know what he's going to be like. And so she's wondering, she's pondering these things. And so when she ponders it, it suggests she didn't fully understand. How many times have we been like that? I just don't really understand, but I trust God. I don't really get this, but I know that God is faithful. And above everything else, I remember that God is faithful. And so that's a lesson for us because Mary struggled with God's will, but she did it in a right way. This is a lesson for all of us. It's one thing to struggle with God's will uh, in a right way, or you can struggle with God's will in a wrong way. There's a, a, a notation about this verse, Luke 2 and 19, uh, from a, a Bible commentary, and it says that uh, Mary took what had been said, and she kept them, she revolved them, she weighed them in her mind, giving to each circumstance its just importance, and she anxiously sought what it might indicate respecting her child. It was something deeper than just, oh, okay, we'll see how it comes out. She wanted to know what was going to happen, so she thought about it. She prayed about it. She, she was worried, or, uh, in a sense, not like where she's worried. Of, and maybe there might have been a little fear about it. And it's one thing to be having a baby, but, hey, you're going to, have the save, you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. Am I eating right? I mean, you know, I mean, how do you raise a Savior? Do you spank the Savior of the world? Well, come on. Somebody tells you that your child is the Savior of the world and he's tearing up the house? Do I tell him no? How do you talk? How do you talk to the Savior of the world? Do you do that to the Lord? Well, these are things you hadn't thought about. But these are things that had to happen. He had to be taught how to walk. He was taught how to talk. 
and he had to learn obedience. The Bible teaches us that he learned obedience through the things he suffered. So I know that they taught him to obey, but man, can you imagine every time you got ready to say no to him, you could hear that angel saying, he's going to save his people from their sins. Imagine he got a little, it's probably a little light tap, you know, instead of that, that heavy belt because he's like, wow, save the world. You know, I don't know. I don't know. You don't either. So you can say, I'll pass that silly. But you don't know it's silly. What did Mary do? Man, I don't want to put the Lord in time out. You never know how it is. But but what Mary did was, uh, you know, she pondered these things. She held on to things that were spoken to her, and because she did not just dismiss the things, she became a channel. She became a vessel by which others received or others were blessed. I said this Monday night in prayer. The things that you're going through and the testimony you have, it ain't just for you. It's for others. God is using you for others. And God was going to use Mary to be a vessel so others could be blessed. It wasn't just her going to be blessed. And yeah, these things were beyond her understanding. And because she held on to those things, she was blessed and she became a blessing. Well, I want to be a blessing to people. And so sometimes, you know, instead of saying, whoo, I want to be just like David. You know what? I, I'd like to be like Mary. I'd like to be able to, when things I don't understand are spoken to me, I can have faith and hold on. Because that's what she did. As a young girl, she was given, hey, and there ain't nobody's story you're going to read about in Scripture going to be greater than hers. That a woman, a young girl, that's getting ready to be married is going to be told before she's married, you're going to have a child and this child will save people from their sins. I've got to protect the Savior of the world. How many times, you ladies that have had children, you, you try to you, know, you watch what you're doing, watch what you're eating, you, 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 you don't pick up things, you, you're trying to take care of yourself. Imagine knowing you're carrying the Savior of the world. How careful are you going to be? I don't understand it. How? Why? Why did he pick me? How did I, how did I, I get picked out of all this, this stuff? But I can tell. I'm expecting. It must be true. So I've got to trust God even though I don't understand it. So I can see it come to pass. And so uh, most oftentimes, you know, we're like Mary. And we don't fully understand everything that God has for us, but like Mary, if we have found favor with the Lord, we will demonstrate the similar characteristics. We'll be open, humble, and obedient. We'll ponder and hold on to the things that we don't fully understand because God is looking for people to show favor toward. Scripture teaches us that, that He wants to delight in us. In Second Chronicles 16 and 9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. God is looking for people that he can bless, guide, protect. 
He is looking for people who love him and who love to keep his commandments. And now, it's not that God is a respecter of persons. The opportunity would be for everybody if they do what it takes. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. But it also tells me that uh, people that worship God must worship Him in spirit and truth, for the Father seeketh such. God is good to everybody. And His mercy, hey, you can just live and breathe, and you're going to get His mercy every morning. Everybody on this planet that wakes up tomorrow has experienced the mercy of the Lord. Everybody, whether they are hungover or whether they wake up praising God, they have experienced the mercy of the Lord. His compassions fail not. God is good to to good people, and He is good to bad people. But He blesses those, the Bible says, they that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. If we seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added to us. There are blessings for people who go above and beyond and love the Lord and keep His commandments. It's not that God is a respecter of person. Everybody could have that if everybody would do that because the Word's there for all of us to to take in. And so God's not a, a respecter of persons when He pours His favor out on somebody. It's that they did something to obtain that favor. In uh, Psalm 37 and 23, it says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. If you read that in the New Living Translation, it says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly, and he delights in every detail of their lives. God is, he delights in everything that we do when we are godly, when we live for him, when we're serving him. Man, it just thrills God to see us living our life for Him. When He orders our steps and we walk in those steps, man, God is excited about our life. If angels rejoice over sinners repenting, how do you think God feels about people that just keep His commandments? And so God is is faithful to to everybody as far as mercy and grace and goodness is concerned. He's good to everybody. It's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. God is good to all of us. He's good to the sinner. He hates sin, but he is good to the sinner. That's why they make it back. That's why they make it the first time to an altar, somewhere to pray. So God's good to all of us. And then we can't even believe it sometimes that God would use us. Sometimes when we examine ourselves and look at ourselves we think, man, there's no way God has called me to this. There's no way that God is going to do this with me. Why? When you are serving God and doing what you're supposed to do, let me tell you, God can make of you anything He wants to. God can use you for anything that He wants to use you for. When you serve the Lord, hey, don't look in the mirror and judge yourself. When you are living by the word of God and serving God and are faithful to him, God can do whatever he wants to do with your life. He can do whatever he wants to do with you. And you, you, you might not know it, but you might be a mouthpiece to reach thousands. It can happen. But sometimes from our perspective, it seems impossible. And you may think God would never want to use me. 
the things of God seldom make sense to the natural man. His ways are higher than our ways. The flesh can't comprehend what the Spirit's doing. And and so sometimes God is doing things and the natural man just don't get it. And in spite of the impossibilities, when God places His favor upon you, impossibilities become realities. When you read... In the first chapter of Luke, you're going to read about another lady, Elizabeth. And she's about to have a miraculous conception because she's past the age of being able to give birth. And a little farther down, then you'll read about the angel coming to Mary and talking to her. And then you'll find the scripture in verse 1 and 37 where it says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. So it doesn't matter, Elizabeth, if you're too old. It doesn't matter. Mary, if you're this young and you don't have a husband and never known a man, it doesn't matter. If God wants to do it, it's going to get done. So Elizabeth lived her life in such a way that she found the favor of God. Mary lived her life in such a way that she found the favor of God. And guess what? It happened just like God said. And guess what? They were faithful in that time. They, they didn't understand it. They didn't know. I mean, man, when they asked Elizabeth, hey, what's the baby's name? It's going to be called John. John? Ain't nobody in your family named John. So they go to the husband. What's his name going to be? Give me something to write with. He writes down John. Wow. Well, that's what the angel said. I'm not going to change his name. The angel said John. And when he, he did that, man, his tongue was loose, and he began praising God and prophesying, and just everybody was, man, wow, what kind of child is this going to be? They couldn't understand it. You know how old I am? You know, what, what, kind of, what does God expect of us when he speaks uh, these things that, or when we face something that, that seems impossible? You know what he wants? Faith. He wants us to have faith. If we've had faith all that time, why not have faith now? What about Abraham and Sarah? It says that Abraham staggered not at the promise and that Sarah judged him faithful who had promised. Oh, they were old, and she laughed about it. It made her laugh. I don't know what image popped in her head, but she laughed. She tried to deny, I didn't laugh. Yeah, you did. The Lord knew you laughed. She laughed about it, but it said she judged him faithful who had promised. And guess what? 90-something years old, having a child. I believe Abraham was like 99. Can you imagine being 99, Robert? (laughs) Come on. 99. Ooh, let me hold that baby. Oh, my goodness. It's old and frail. You can't even hold a child. because they lived a long time back then. I don't know what they was eating, but it must have been good. But 99. Bible, scripture said he was as good as dead. Well, we all grown-ups in here. Come on. Good as dead. Had a child just like God said. So you you have faith in God. 
And Abraham, what was Abraham doing? Living his life the way God wanted him to live it. He was open to what God wanted him to do because Abraham got up and left his land. Hey, Abraham, get up and go. Leave this land. I'm going to put you somewhere else. And so you know what Abraham did? Left. Left his people, left his land, and went to a place that God told him to go. That's what Abraham did. Faith in God. He was open to what God said. He did what God said. He was humble. He was reverent. He was obedient. And God blessed him just like he said he would. You think he understood it? No, he didn't understand it. But God took care of him just like he said he would. And that's why we have to always just stay faithful, stay prayerful, even when it's a promise that it's difficult, to, we don't understand it. I can't fathom that. Abraham, your seed's going to be like the stars, like the sand. Wow. How? How? Look how old I've gotten. How's this going to happen? But it did happen, just like God said. And so now we can look at this and note that just because a person is prosperous does not mean that person has found favor with God. Neither does it mean a person who has favor is exempt from difficulties and suffering. Never think just because you're living your life for God that you're never going to have any trouble. Mary would be a prime example. She was highly favored, but she faced tremendous difficulties. In thinking of the difficulties, it's no wonder the angel said, the Lord is with you. So not only did he say, fear not, and tell her she was highly favored, but he said, the Lord is with you. That's something to remember. When God speaks to you like that, when the favor of the Lord's on you, don't forget that God's with you. So whatever difficulty you face, God's going to be right there with you to help handle it. So Mary had to exercise faith, not only in the moment when she received the message. It's easy to have faith in the moment of the message. You ever been in an altar service and somebody comes up, man of God comes up, reads your mail, speaks a word of faith to you? Man, yes, sir, I got it. I'm, I received that in the name of the Lord. About two weeks later, I wonder if he was really right. Two months later, two years later, I wonder if he really knew what he was talking about. You got to keep trusting God that it will come to pass. It's easy in the altar, it's easy in that moment. It's right. You know, think about you know, how Joseph was. We learned something from him. That man, he when he had the dreams, he just told them, "This is how it's going to be." But you know what? He just kept on being faithful to God and living his life faithful to God. Oh, you think he understood that pit? He didn't understand being put in prison. He didn't understand why he had to stay there and do those things. But God was blessing him everywhere he was at. And then he went from the from the prison. Uh, he, he went from there and he went to the palace and he saved all his people. It came to pass just like God said. God didn't show him the in-between. Sometimes we'll get the message and we don't know. We just we live out the in-between. And that's the way it was with Mary. She got the message and then she lived out the in-between until the birth and then until the death. I don't know if you've seen that picture going around on Facebook, but it's like a split-screen picture, and it's got a picture of Mary holding that little baby, looking down at it, and then the next the picture beside it is her holding the Lord after they took him off the cross. That's a, 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 that puts a tough image in your mind, how she must have felt uh, watching him come into this world and watching him go out. 
So, so she, she had a lot of things that she went through. But so uh, God's favor on, on Mary's life brought her multiple moments where she had to exercise faith. For with great favor is great responsibility. And with great responsibility is a need for faith. So when we have times that we don't understand, you've got to have faith. You don't quit. You don't shut down. You don't walk away. You don't back up. You have faith. If you believed God in the moment of the message, then believe him whenever you're struggling. Believe God that he meant what he said. God's favor on our life does not mean that we will, uh, life's going to be a walk in the park. Or like I like to say, it's going to be all rainbows and little baby deer licking your knees. It's not going to be like that. God's favor on our lives means we will likely go through some stuff. Uh, We may encounter difficulties. But when this happens, we must remember God's favor means God is with us. Mary could understand that. If God's favor is on me, then God is with me because the angel of the Lord said so. And the Bible is filled with stories of people who had God's favor, but they also suffered great hardship. Think about Job. He was a man blessed of the Lord, but God's blessings did not exempt him from suffering. Moses, when God called him to lead the children of Israel out of bondage, He lived in the desert, far removed from the palace of his upbringing. The hand of the Lord was on him, but he struggled leading a people who did not understand the ways of God. And then Daniel. Daniel experienced the favor of God, but it didn't keep him out of the den of lions. And just on and on through Scripture, that people that were blessed of God, favored by God, had to go through great things, men and women uh, that struggled and had great difficulties, even though the favor of God was on their life. So what we glean from these examples is that the favor of the Lord is often accompanied with both excitement and struggle, joy and pain. And it's like that with Mary. The favor of the Lord caused both excitement and fear. The tension between excitement and fear uh, seemed to accompany much of Mary's life. Excitement, because she was going to have a baby, but fear, what if Joseph rejects me? Excitement, the baby would be the Messiah. Fear. Herod is killing babies. There was always something. The tension between excitement and fear is something we understand. It's not confined to Mary's life alone. We, we, as children of God, experience it often, if not daily. What about God called me to ministry? Woo! Oh, can I do this? How many times God called me to be a missionary? I'm, I'm going to the Congo. Oh, the Congo. Have they got Wi-Fi there? You know, <laughs> Congo. Oh, you know, is, that, is that where they eat people? You know, you, all of a sudden there's all this fear. I don't know if they eat people there or not. I'm just, but, you know, you, all of a sudden there's all this fear. It's, it's excitement over, man, yes, I've been wanting God to use me. Oh, oh, but wait a minute. Am I ready for that? To pack up and leave my family to... To, to quit my job, to, to you know, leave my source of income and go and just depend on you know, the contributions of others so I can help preach the gospel? Am I ready for that? And fear. So we, we see that in our lives. But if God calls you to it, he'll provide. And if God spoke it into your life, he's going to take care of it. He's going to make sure you have what you need. And that's why I say sometimes I'd like to be like Mary because I I like the way that Mary handled things. 
She had faith. She, she held on. She trusted God. Sure, it was hard. It was tough. Man, there was a lot of fear involved in it and, and you know, moving around and had to go here and there. And, you know, it was exciting. Oh, we got this baby and all these kings are coming and giving us gifts and wise men and all this stuff is happening. And now we, all of a sudden the, the Lord says, hey, don't come back this way uh, because Herod's looking to kill you. So now we're hiding. We're trying to hide our child because Herod's wanting to kill all the babies. You know, wondering when can we go back? A lot of, it, was, it wasn't just, uh, you know, easy, but it was the way it went. And it went the way God wanted it to go. And so whenever we uh, do this, we, we learn to handle things the way she did. We, we, we do what she did. We, we ponder. We pray. We think. We, uh, sometimes the key to that fulfillment is to prayerfully consider the things in purpose. Don't make any decisions based on your emotions. Hello. Don't make decisions uh, with lack of understanding or fear but rather make your decisions on the word that we receive from God. When you do that, hold fast. How many times does the scripture tell us, hold fast to that that you have? Whatever God gave you, hold fast to that because it'll come to pass. If it was God, it's yea and amen. It's going to come to pass. If it's the word of God, it's going to come to pass. It's yea and amen. Hold on to the word of God. When we ponder that uh, it, it prepares us for additional moments in the journey when we have questions and difficulties. We can always go back, what did God say? We can always go back, what did the Word say? We can always, when we ponder that, we, you know, we may not understand where we are, but let's go back and think about what we know is true. What did God say? And if God said, and you know it was God, and you know it was the Word of God, if you knew it, that God gave you this promise, you may be in a place where whew, it seems like everything is upside down. Just go back to that point where God spoke it. Say, so, I may not understand where I am now in the middle of all this whirling around, but I remember a time in prayer. I remember a time at the altar. I remember a time where God spoke to me and told me this. And you can hold on what God said you can hold on and believe it and trust it and listen you, that's what, what you do so you can get through the difficult times until it comes to pass so sometimes we, you know, we learn some things even from you know, the, the, the characters that we kind of skim over sometimes because they're, they're not a king and they weren't a prophet just a little old Mary just the just the mother of the Lord, I mean, she didn't really do much. Come on. Yes, she did. In that little time frame, that nine months, and for a little time after that where, the, you know, she, she is an example of faith in God, being faithful to what God said, what, what God told them to do. And even after he was born, for them to go, not come back, but to go and stay uh, in Egypt and to go somewhere else because Herod was waiting. You know, that obedience, they just, they just kept on listening to the voice of the Lord so that they could raise this Savior and he could be the Savior of the world. You know, because she did, you know, what she did. I mean, think about what would happen if Mary had just said, nah, and just dismissed it. 
because she didn't understand it. Nah, this ain't going to happen. What would have happened that night if when the angel told her, she would have said, no thanks. I, I assume the Lord would have went somewhere else. I don't believe he would have forced her to have that child. But she was receptive to the Lord and said, I'll, I'll do this. Be it unto your, I'm, I'm your handmaid, be it unto me, just like you've spoken it, just let it happen. And because she pondered it and prayed about it and, and stuck to it, her life was changed. And that's what changes our life. Man, we live for God, you're going to have times where, let me tell you, you're going to have times when you don't understand. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. There's going to be times where you just, I don't know what you're doing, God, but I know you're faithful. You're going to make these statements that, Lord, I don't understand this at all, but you are faithful. You're going to, you're going to make that statement in your walk with God, believe me, more than once. So pray. That's why it's so important. Pray. Fast. Seek the Lord. Trust God. Go back and remind yourself. There's a lot of scripture that talks about us stirring up the mind in way of remembrance and remember what the Lord done. And even uh, Joshua told Israel, you know, hey, remember, nothing that God promised failed. When they, he got ready to die, he was about to die, and they were going to be there. In that promised land, he said, you need to remember that nothing that God has promised has failed. So that when you get over there and you get in the middle of a battle, you can think back, nothing that God promised has failed. Maybe that's how David encouraged himself in the Lord when he was so down and, and they were ready to stone him and, and take his life. And, and it said he, he wept until he couldn't weep anymore and he finally encouraged himself in the Lord. He started thinking back, maybe he thought back all the way back to Goliath. Maybe he thought back to that lion and bear. I don't know. Maybe he thought back to dodging them javelins from that Saul was throwing. But he remembered that God had called him. It was God that called me off that hill watching those sheep. And if God called me off that hill, then let me tell you, he's not going to let me be stoned right here by my own people. We're going to go get what they stole from us. We're going to go take it back. And so he encouraged himself. He remembered. And sometimes we just have to remember what God has done for us. Praise God. The right response is when we don't understand. It's not to dismiss it, not to run away from it. The right response is to, to ponder it. And that's a, you, probably even, you probably never even say that word. I think I'll just ponder. Your waiter comes up. What you going to have? I'm pondering. Hang on. Steak or fish? Hmm, pondering. Now, you know, I know you don't use that word, but it's, in a matter of fact, it's only used that one time for in the New Testament, I think, uh, in that scripture. But the right response is for us to think about it, pray about it, remember, uh, and then put it in God's hands. Give it all to God. Let him have it. Honey, won't you come on to the music tonight? There's an... An old song, hymn book song, so might be some folks in here don't know what that is. We don't have hymn books out anymore. But if the hymn book I have in my office, if you looked on page 220, there's an old song called The Love of God. Anybody know that song? 
There's a few know it. Well, the, the interesting thing about that song is that the third verse in it was written by uh, a medieval rabbi who was defending a group of Jews from uh, attacks. And then how it got to be in that song was that a man who was placed in an insane asylum. Back in the 1800s, if you was a little eccentric, they'd lock you up. And if you weren't crazy by the time when you went in there, you was when you come out because they didn't know how to treat you. But there was a man that they had put in this room and when he died, they were cleaning out the room and they found that he had written on the wall these words. And this was, wasn't his words. It was the words that he had memorized from this rabbi. He said, could we with the ink or with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made where every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade. To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. And they, they couldn't understand how this guy wrote this, but he had just memorized this, and maybe that's what kept him the whole time he was there. But there was an evangelist, and his name was Frederick Lehman, and he was greatly discouraged at the time, and he was actually writing a song, The Love of God, and, and he made this his third verse. But the way he got it was that someone had wrote the words down just on a scrap piece of paper, and this single piece of paper passed from different ones to different ones, and somehow he found it lying on an apple crate in the corner of a room. And then he made it the third verse of his hymn. And so whenever you look in those songbooks, you'll see at the bottom usually that these words were found scribbled on the wall of an insane asylum. Words written by a rabbi that, were, that was running for his life, held on to by an inmate trying to keep his sanity, were turned into a song by a discouraged evangelist who was trying to find hope. This song, which has touched the lives of millions, illustrates the sustaining power of a word from God, even in times when we lack understanding. At times when the questions are many and the answers are few, we can hold on to what little we know. We can ponder and we can watch God do the amazing. And he will do that as long as we do not dismiss just because we don't fully understand. That guy wondered... Why? Why am I being locked up? Why am I being held here? He had those words to hold on to. That evangelist was discouraged, and those words were passed on, and he got it and made it a song. And, you know, just the way God works and the way God will do things, he knows how to take care of us. Praise God. Let's stand together tonight. So I don't know what promise you're holding on to, what promise you're looking for, what word that was spoke to you, maybe a week, a month, a year, whatever it was. You can trust the Lord. Hey, from the time that God called me into the ministry to the time I started preaching, 
my goodness, or at that time we started pastoring. About 13 years. About 13 years. But I just kept preaching, kept serving, kept doing, because I knew one day a door was going to open. And the right door, the perfect door, the place we needed to be opened. And here we are today. Oh, there was times where I almost jumped the gun, wanted to jump the gun, was ready for something else to change in my life. I'm so thankful that God would always send somebody to say, uh-uh, hold on, not yet, it's not your time, it's coming. And I'd listen every time I'd go back and I would remember the words that that man spoke. And I'd just pray, and keep seeking God, keep going. You hold on to what God gave you. It's going to come to pass in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Let's lift our hands to the Lord tonight. Just thank Him. Love Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You got this on. You know the love of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, we love you tonight, God. We praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. If you feel like stepping out tonight, just coming down around this altar and worshiping and just thanking God for his love and mercy. Why don't you come find a place to just lift your hands to the Lord in this altar tonight? Hallelujah. God is faithful. Hallelujah. Yeah. God is faithful. Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The saints and angels song. The love of God. Thank you, Jesus. How rich, how pure. Thank you, Jesus. How measureless. Glory to God. And strong. Yes, Jesus. Praise God. Let's give the Lord a hand in this house tonight. What a great God. Let me tell you, God is mindful of his people. And he has never spoken a promise that he forgot. You hear that? God has not forgotten what he said to you, what he put in your life, what he put in your heart. God has not forgotten. He don't forget anything. Let me tell you, you just hold on, keep trusting God. It's going to come to pass in Jesus' name. Amen? Praise God. One more hand clap and a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Appreciate the Lord tonight. What a great God. Praise God.
Thank you for being in service tonight. The Lord will. Hey, don't forget, ladies, Bible study. Is that right tomorrow night? 7 o'clock? 7 o'clock. So, ladies, be here tomorrow night at 7 for Bible study. Uh, pray for those that are sick. And Lord willing, we'll see you on Sunday. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.